Hey, this is Dakota Tedder. Hopefully Brad's better at interviews than he is at motocross or hockey. If not, hope you enjoy this. You're listening to a Big MX radio podcast. Brought to you by Arma Energy. Presented by Fly Racing, W Wheels, Bill's Pipes, Just One Helmets, X-Brand Goggles, Shades of Grey Custom Helmet Painting, Rhino Power Sports Supplements, Roy Borton Suspension, Watts Perfections, and Golden Tire. Simply the best motocross and supercross news from around the globe. And now, here's your host, Brad Gephardt. Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast Show, brought to you by Fly Racing, X-Brand Goggles, Just One Helmets, and Bill's Pipes. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. With us on the line, we've got none other than Dakota Tedder of Team Tedder Racing. Dakota, how's it going? Good, good. How are you? Hey, not too bad. Uh, how's my favorite six-foot-four motocross racer? <laughs> He's doing good. I had a, you know... I'd say an improvement weekend over in San Diego, so I'm 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 happy. Absolutely, a huge improvement, a marked improvement from uh, Anaheim one, and uh, carrying some momentum, uh, falling just short of the uh, of making the main event, but uh, leading laps in the LCQ as well as uh, getting some good gate drops, uh, good for some some confidence, and you're going to carry that forward back to Anaheim. Yeah, I'm I'm so pumped to have a a motivational week, a confident week, I guess you can say. And then Anaheim, I always like racing Anaheim. I'm probably the closest kid there. I'm 20 minutes from there. So, you know, just stoked to get back to where I live, kind of, I guess. Well, this is a, a like, yeah, motocross is a special kind of sport in that way, especially for guys like yourself who uh, live in the area. Uh, you almost have uh, five or six events that are almost hometown races for you. Uh, what's it like to be able to kind of wake up in your own bed, head to the track, and, and do your thing in a comfortable environment, uh, uh, albeit still in front of 60,000 fans, but uh, there's a, a little bit of a hometown feel to it? Yeah, it's great. I, uh, it's so nice that like all my friends and family who, you know, aren't crazy about moto, but, you know, crazy, you know, to support me and they still get to come out and watch me and support me. And it's nice that like, you know, I, every day I get up, I drive an hour and a half to, you know, Temecula or wherever and I uh, do my laps. So it's nice getting up and driving 20 minutes and being able to, you know, have fun with, uh, have fun with the family, I guess. For sure, and uh, you're able to uh, kind of have. I'm sure you, you probably get all kinds of people asking for uh, um, tickets and special access. Uh, how much of that is is a positive thing? You love to have people around, and uh, how much of it is a, is there a little bit of a bother where uh, uh, you just can't you can't make everybody happy, and uh, also uh, some people that you barely hear appear from start coming out of the woodwork. Yeah, I mean, you definitely get everyone i think what people don't understand is like everyone thinks we get everything free like uh, i think other sports may get other th- other things free I don't, i'm not really sure about that we end up just in our pits alone probably i think my parents buy up to like 100 to 150 tickets personally like we just we have to go to the stadium we buy them just like anyone else and we give them out to you know employees of my dad's company or friends and family and stuff like that so i get a lot of friends and they'll just you know, hey, give me tickets, and I'm like, uh, if I have leftovers, I'll hook you up, buddy. Sorry. <laughs> so it's stuff like that, and then 
I, like I said, there is a hundred, 150 people inside our pit and it'll get so crazy that, you know, me and Jake sometimes have to, you know, an hour, you know, before our race, we got to go hide out in the rig and like kind of, it sucks, but we got to kick people out at times to watch film. I know everyone's like to be involved, but it's like at a, at a certain time, it is at a job at one point and, you know, they want us to do good as much as we want to do good. So there's that definitely that fine line of, uh, you know, talking and hanging and catching up and, you know, talking about the track and everyone wants, everyone wants to know, you know, and hang out with us and we want, you know, to hang out with them. But there is also that fine line of, you know, being prepared for the race that you're there for and you're, and also having to interact with the fans that walk by and want an autograph and just to talk about what they saw of us a year ago or, you know, last weekend or whatever. So uh, we try to make it work best we can. No doubt, like it's it's a razor's edge. You got to have a bit of a, a bit of a balancing act to uh, make everybody happy, as well as you're there to do a job. You're there to get good results and take a step forward for the team. And uh, obviously, if, if you're paying too much attention to those around you or catering to to what they want and what's going to make them happy, um, it's they're not really going to uh, like understand if you have a bad you happen to have a bad race day. Uh, those are the same people that might not be around the following weekend after uh, a lackluster uh, results. Yeah, exactly. I mean, most of the people are definitely family, so they'll be there no matter what. But definitely, yeah. some people are like, "Hey, I, I definitely got hit up more." I'd say Sunday after San Diego to come out to Anaheim than I did after Anaheim when I, I, you know, I sucked. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. I did really bad. So not many people are excited to go to San Diego versus. I got a bunch of people like, hey, I saw you, at, you know, San Diego, let's, you know, let's hang out at Anaheim. I'm like, yeah, no problem, you know, which I mean. Well, I don't know, uh, like you yeah. got a, quite a bit of exposure after Anaheim when Ken Roxon Instagrammed a picture of your bike. Yeah, I, uh, I definitely almost killed Kenny for sure. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I had a cho- like, I had a choice, like he, I didn't really like, see him but like i saw someone falling i either chose to go to the left or the right of him and i luckily i chose left because he spit off really fast past me if i would have went right i would have just destroyed him on the start so you know luckily you know i went left and i didn't run him over i didn't fall and he ended up getting the race that night so everything was good yeah, absolutely. For those who uh, don't, uh, if they haven't already seen it, uh, head on over to uh, Dakota underscore Tedder on Instagram, and uh, it's pretty plain to see uh, the the one five one rolling through. It looked like you're on a Sunday cruise through uh, the first corner, but there's carnage all around you. Enticknap uh, seven, seven double deuce is uh, is eating some serious shit, and then then uh, Kenny's just break dancing beside your bike. <laughs> yeah there's a there's actually it's like i think kenny's bike's upside down mine yeah straight, and then what's his name sideways and then kenny's literally like kenny's bike's upside down and himself is in like different spots it's it's definitely like a weird photo for sure no doubt man um so how much does uh social media play in um in your exposure getting getting activation with fans and uh uh how do you how do you use social media to communicate uh what you got going on with your program and and uh is does it become a bit of a bother sometime or uh or is it just fun to uh be able to post some stuff out and uh, keep people updated uh i i love social media it's fun i get a see all my friends are always posting stuff other riders are posting stuff and you know i i i think it's great it's definitely uh like i didn't i, I don't get as uh, i don't have a crazy amount following i guess on instagram or facebook or twitter i don't know if it's 
I don't post enough or whatnot, or I didn't get on it quite as early as everybody else. But I, I enjoy it. I like getting photos and writing about it. And some people enjoy it when I, I post stuff. I, I didn't get a whole lot of uh, photos from San Diego, so I didn't have anything to post for a photo for that. But uh, I'll probably work up something during the week and do a little shout out how my weekend was. Maybe I'll do something after the MX Talk Radio Show here. Fair yeah. enough. Maybe uh, in the next couple of weeks, we'll have to have you and uh, your teammate, uh, Jake Weimer, on the show together. I'm sure the two of you guys had a great rapport and uh, jab at each other a little bit. Uh, yeah, it was, well, Jake did so, so well uh, last or Saturday at San Diego. Oh, wow. Yeah. He, he absolutely crushed it. Like that's, that's how he rides every day at the practice track. And it was dope to see, you know, him really like, you know, race, like, Usually, even during practice all day, he kind of just tiptoed around and stuff like that. And he literally, he raced on Saturday. It was cool to see, for sure. I, I was talking with a few of my uh, moto friends. Everyone does a lot of uh, bench racing and stuff like that. Honestly, I feel like Jake Weimer, even on factory Kawasaki uh, days, would have been pretty pumped on that night. Like, it's still an eighth place finish, but that's an eighth place finish amongst uh, literally just about like everyone in the main event is factory backed, has either won championships or won motos or contested very hotly for the uh, lights title or even a big bike title uh, along the way. And um, a great showing for him, almost uh, qualifying through the heat race. Like, all night, Jake was on it. Yeah, Jake, he, he was definitely on it that night i mean i think we're there's i think there's 15 past or 15 champions lights champions in the 450 class including jake and uh whether eighth place is his number that he was looking for uh he was he was right on canard he was almost passing canard still to the last lap and there was i think someone ahead of ahead of canard he was really close to so whether jake wanted eighth or not he literally rode you know, like a podium guy. I mean, if he would have started first, I wouldn't have seen him out far outside the podium, honestly. So he rode like a champion that night, in my opinion, whether eighth was what he wanted or not. Well, for sure. And if you look at the uh, the lap counting, he, he, he was eighth on the first lap, went back to 11th at one point, and then crawled his way back to the, the eighth place position. So he was still throwing down good laps late in the race. And uh, it's a testament to the to what the kind of work the two of you have been doing at the test track. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He, uh, I don't, the whole like starting eighth, falling to 11th, I don't, I can't exactly say what happened, but literally that was the scariest first couple laps of the 450 class I've ever seen in my life. Like people were so close to each other over every jump for the first 10 laps. It was, it was probably the most exciting 450 race I've ever seen really like between the whole, the whole group. Usually it's like the top five, maybe we'll have a good few battles, but literally all 20 riders were within probably two straightaways for, for a long time. So it was, it was, it was exciting to see. Oh, for sure. I, I couldn't agree more. It's a, it's a case where, uh, like, I, I look at, I, I do a lot of, like, the, uh, like, just breaking down the series as well as, uh, like, motocross fantasy, uh, like, websites and stuff like that. And uh, Moto Dynasty only lets you pick the top 12 riders. And every single time that I'm going through these guys, I'm leaving guys off the mark like uh, Brock Tickle, like Will Hahn, guys who are holding big-time factory positions that are not even going to be inside the top 12. That is incredible and a testament to the speed and caliber of these racers. Uh, absolutely. And I think that's just... I think that's Which you're a part of, by the way. 
Yeah, thank you. I think that's a good thing, though. I think I think people are starting to realize that there's there's more in the moto than just the top three guys. I think that it'll. I think I think we're a bigger sport than people realize. You know, there's there's 15 you know stars on every football and baseball and basketball team, and now there's more than just one star on each uh, race team. You know, there's three to five factory guys on each race team, and I think it needs to be recognized a little bit better. I don't know if that's going to be TV coverage or uh, more of our own, you know, time on ESPN or whatever, whatever it may be, but there's definitely more to recognize than just the podium guys these days, for sure. Totally agree. And I think it's uh, a product of uh, a bit of a wave of talent as well as a, a wave of kind of a movement in, in motocross where uh, we spoke off air about uh, the fact that you never went to high school. And that's something that you probably have in common with a lot of the riders that uh, that you race with, that it's it, uh, your generation of racer um really focused on racing from a young age, carried it all the way through, whereas guys like uh, uh, Ricky Carmichael went to school up until probably like closer like closer to uh, high school as well. Uh, there's a lot of racers in and around that era that they might have even finished high school and, and certainly attended, so they weren't doing the, the practice facilities and all that fun stuff where they're like totally committed to motocross 365. Like a guy like Justin Barsha who like just basically grew up at MTF and now he's spent all over three years in the, in the, the 450 class. Like that, that class, uh, graduating class, uh, has, has arrived and, uh, and you guys are all fast. Uh, you've got a lot of tools in uh, your bag and you're all you have incredible speed. And, uh, I feel like that's really starting to, um, fill the entire 450 class up with um just tons of talent it's it's goes all the way back throughout the uh the top 10 the top 20 and uh deep into uh the fast 40 who even make it for the nitros uh, absolutely and it's going to get deeper and deeper every year when uh 450 guys don't retire and 250 every year there's a possibility of two to two to three lights champions to move up uh into the 450 class so every year it's going to get deeper and, uh, I mean, I think most of it, like all, all of us have to finish high school, obviously, but we, you know, did it from home. We went through homeschool and just got it done just so we can spend each and every minute possible at the track. Cause the earlier you can, uh, earlier you can get into the, you know, pro ranks and start knocking it off the better. So, I mean, I, I actually started later. I didn't turn pro till 18 and I think there's kids, you know, they start at 16. So it's, it's definitely, it's, it's serious. It is serious, and uh, we're going to hit some commercials just right now, but when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about your preparation for 2016 and some of the goals that you have set for yourself for the rest of the Supercross season and outdoors. We'll be right back for these messages from W Wheels, Bill's Pipes, and, of course, Fly Racing. We'll be right back. Cowboy Kenny Bartram here. You're listening to the Big MX Radio Show. We're going to commercial, but don't go away. We'll be right back. If there's one item to be picky about, it's choosing the right helmet. I'm Andrew Short, and I choose the F2 Carbon from Fly Racing. You too can wear the exact same helmet I wear, Trey Kennard wears, Jimmy Albertson wears, and many others. The F2 Carbon is a helmet loaded with details that make a huge difference in comfort and safety. Lightweight materials, phenomenal airflow, and a super comfortable sweat-absorbing liner, and generous eye port design to accommodate any goggle choice are just a few. And did I mention how super trick these helmets look? Straight off the shelf and onto the racetrack. If you are looking for one amazing helmet, look no further than the F2 Carbon from Fly Racing. For more information about Fly Helmets and other products from Fly Racing, visit them on the web at flyracing.com. 
What's wrong, Jeff? I don't know, Jay. Well, you better fuel up with a nutritious breakfast with oats and bran. Oats and bran? I didn't think there was such a thing. That's what I used to think. Now, I start out every morning with a bowl of Indigos. For extreme kids like us. That's what I call fueling for the big ride. Hey kids, start out every morning with a fat ball. When it comes to helmets, there is just one. The helmet brand that is. Just One Helmets is tailor-made for motocross and street bike riding, and now available in North America. Who chooses Just One? Well, for starters, Tim Geiser, winner of the Italian round in MX2, David Philipparts, Vicky Golden, Trevor Reese, as well as David Pulley. And you know what? So do I. I choose Just One Helmets because they're simply the safest, lightest, and most comfortable lid available. Want to know more about Just One Helmets? Check them out on the web at www.justonehelmets.com. Find out about the J12 the J32, and all of the colorways that are absolutely blow your socks off. So guys, please head over to www.justonehelmets.com today. Go check them out. You won't be disappointed. The 2014 X-Brand Goggles is back and better than ever. From the Scatter X, Volcano and Phantom Goggle, X-Brand has the product to make you stand out on race day. The quality of X-Brand products is second to none. Great lenses, incredible frame, and a strap that doesn't wear out. Great tear-offs, zip-off systems, nose guard, and more. Check out eksbrand.com for all of the accessories and pricing. WUSA is your one-stop shop for quality wheel sets in America. All of the best components built for the toughest conditions. Hit up WUSA.com, that's D-U-B-Y-A-U-S-A.com right now and check out the custom wheel builder selection. Pick your rims, pick your hubs, pick your spokes, even pick your nipples and see what it's going to look like on your bike. On the website, you'll drool over components like XL and DID rims, Talon and Kite aluminum hubs, Galfer and Brembo brakes, and spokes that take a licking and keep on ticking. The same wheels that you buy are built by the same guys we're building wheels for. Ryan Dungey, Jeremy Martin, Chad Reed, and the entire Geico Honda team. And I kid you not, they are not told whose wheels are whose, they just build amazing product. And I want you guys in a set of W wheels. So do what I did and head to WBYAUSA.com today. WUSA, all things wheels.
What's up, guys? It's time to talk a little bit about Roy Borden Race. He's the performance specialist. Suspension, making a motor work, balancing a bike, or just maintenance. He's got the tools and know-how to make sure that your bike is ready on race day or practice. Roy Borden has strength in years of experience and the best technology and best tools at his disposal. Whether you're getting your forks redone, seals, or a full, full-blown full rebuild on your forks or, or shock. Call up Roy Borton today at 204-633-2722. Bill's Pipes, the home of legendary performance. Since 1974, Bill's Pipes has been providing motocross and off-road riders the performance they need. Two-stroke or four-stroke, Bill's Pipes has the exhaust system for you. In recent years, we've seen a resurgence of the Bill's Pipes brand, and that's great news. And that's great news for motocross racers everywhere. For four-strokes, Bill's Pipes brings the RE13 to dominate the fight on any brand. For you two-stroke guys, the MX2 Bill's Pipes exhaust system is the right one for the job and comes in works, nickel, and the all-new Cone look finish that'll turn heads all day long. Head to BillsPipes.com right now and get the same pipe used by Billy Leninovich, Vicky Golden, the JMR Suzuki team, Jesse Pierce, Nico Izzy, and David Cole. Bill's Pipes is craftsmanship at its finest. So go with Bill's Pipes and never settle. And we're back, Big MX Radio Podcast Show, still on the line with Dakota Tedder, the 151 in your program, number one in your heart, and uh, glad to have you on the show, man. It's been a little while since we had you on the show, and uh, last time you were nursing an injury, looking forward to coming back, and I, I, I believe, if I recall last time, you were in uh, in still frame mode on Instagram. We had talked about the fact that you were only comfortable uploading picture, like still pictures of you riding, and then you were hoping to then uh, like um, uh, rise to the point where you could start uh, uploading uh, slow motion videos, and then eventually uh, full uh, like full full frame uh, motion videos, which you've uh, apparently uh, rose to this last weekend in San Diego. So uh, you're back, man. You're 100. percent You're ready to pull the trigger. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was a long time ago. It, it feels like now. Uh, I think it was like late or late July, maybe. I was uh, I was just getting back on a bike, and I was actually trying yeah. to make some outdoor races. And literally, my I you know I took off I think nine or ten months off of the bike, three surgeries, so it uh, took way longer to bounce back than I could ever imagine, and uh, didn't make any of the outdoor races, and then. Uh, we were debating whether we'd do Monster Cup, and then uh, it was just like, just go to Monster Cup. If you have to, just end up doing practice and just get your feet wet and break through it. And I think I rode two weeks on a 450 uh, Supercross. Like, I rode, I think, a month of 450 outdoors, a couple weeks of 450 Supercross, did Monster Cup, went through a lot of bugs and, you know, got the jitters out, this, that, and the other. I still did surprisingly well how much I got to ride, and then Right after that, I switched to my 250, and I did about two months, two and a half months on my 250. I didn't think I was quite ready to race the the lights west because that's what I was really uh, looking forward to, is uh, doing a really good comeback on my lights 
on the lights class. And then I think it was two weeks before Anaheim, they said, uh, well, then jump on the 450 and work out some more bugs on the West Coast. And I was like, all right. So I, I ended up getting five days on my 450 right before Anaheim and I didn't tell anyone or really say anything because I didn't want any expectations like, oh, Tedder's been, you know, training and working hard and on the 450 and ends up blowing it at Anaheim, which, you know, <laughs> I, I did. Believe so the hype, baby. Thing. So I left the hype down. <laughs> and then uh, uh, I went through some – everyone was just talking – everyone in our team obviously was just kept saying like, hey, you know, don't get hurt. This is just for practice, just for practice. At Anaheim that I rode so tight and timid not to like, you know, get all worked up that I'm, you know, a 450 debut thing and do – you know, try to do crazy good and crash my brains out. So I took it real mellow. I think I psyched myself out pretty bad. Uh, and that, and then after just leaving there, I was so, I was kicking myself in my own head, you know, no one had to say anything. Everyone was like, Hey, good race. You know, you tried. And I'm like, but, you know, don't, I don't, I don't, I don't need the sorrows. Like I know I rode bad. <laughs> you can tell me that. And then, so I think going into San Diego, I had a little bit of redemption of, you know, I'm, I'm not that bad. So I, came in you know ready to risk it i guess so yeah absolutely and uh you get those jitters out a little bit i'm sure uh you're you must have puckered up a little bit when uh, you see the uh, the 94 uh screaming across your uh your left side from from, from left to, or from left to right and uh during your first heat race uh whole shot but after that um that's I'm sure the the nerves uh, continued throughout that night, but uh, you seemed confident throughout uh, San Diego. Uh, you were able to pick up the track really quickly, especially for the fact that you rode uh, press day, which I think was a huge help for you. And uh, and then uh, just put in some great laps. The only uh, problem with the LCQ was uh, you forgot to breathe. Yeah, yeah, the LCQ was definitely. Uh, I didn't I didn't expect to get the whole shot. I definitely tried to get it, but uh, it came quick and. I think uh, the second turn I expected someone to like kind of come in on me and they didn't. And then uh, by the time I came through the whoops, I, I didn't know who was behind me. I didn't know who was in the race. The LCQ comes up really, really quick after the semis. And I went through the whoops and I was expecting someone to kind of hit me the next turn and I didn't even hear a bike. So I was like, Oh, uh, time to, time to pin it. So I just ended up, you know, going as literally as fast as I could, I guess at the time. And that uh, wasn't, until I think down the, the down the second lap going down the straightaway, I lit up my tire on on obviously accident down this thing, and I uh, went sideways and ended up you know almost going down. And I think that's when everyone kind of caught back up to me. And then I think it was uh, not till about the finish line of the second lap that I saw a yellow bike, and I didn't obviously know who it was. And I'm thinking you know it's who you know whoever i didn't expect to see it was brock tickle and i was like oh damn you know i must be doing pretty good you know brock was behind me for two laps and i know brock pretty well and he's 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 really fast so i was pretty pumped for that and then uh after that i just i was like all right i'll just follow brock and i think i just you know got a little too got a little too excited i guess uh for leading for two laps it felt just so amazing not to be bothered by anybody else and just ride my own race. And I made that one mistake down the straightaway. And then the Nick Schmidt, I think it was Tommy Hahn that got me the next triple. It was like a triple, triple after the on offs. One of them blocked past me there and they both got me. And then down the whoops, I ended up passing Tommy back in the turn. 
And then down the next straightaway where it was the long rhythm, I ended up landing on a hay bale, which let Tommy and Will, Tommy pass me and Will get right back up on me. And then the last lap, I didn't know it was Will, and he uh, yeah, get, he was on me pretty good. I didn't know who it was. I just didn't want anyone else to pass me because I knew it was in fourth. And uh, was coming right up to the, the hoop section. I think I, I knew I only had a couple more turns to go, and I went coming into the hoops i always took that inside and the front end almost washed and i thought it was over then after i saved it i barely even made the turn and i went through the hoops and second gear like literally like an idiot slower than ever and i'm just thinking in my head like all right he's gonna pass me down the whoops how do i stop him from you know locking down the pass so i went to go you know brake check it not brake check him but stop into the turn and kind of like stop him and then go underneath them and he actually didn't end up getting down the like getting past me as far as I thought he was so then once I realized he was able to tuck under I tried you know blasting back through the corner and it was already over so it was it was definitely the best experience you can possibly have as far as you know coming off a second race in a year of racing so um and it wasn't even you know decided that I was doing the 450 class and everything leaning towards the light uh, east coast for myself at least my personal goal goal is to do really well on the east and uh you know i'm just having so much fun riding this 450 so we'll see if it's uh maybe something i'll stick with more this year or uh maybe it'll be a full-time thing next year absolutely and you can't hang your head too uh too much in consideration that uh the guy who finished ahead of you is on a factory kawasaki and that three of the four guys ahead of you uh have uh, have not only either uh won a uh, supercross championship on a little bike but also uh three of them have all won outdoor nationals including uh tommy Hahn uh winning one himself so uh they're like you're in some some pretty uh tough company right there in the lcq <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I mean, that it definitely. I was bummed. Obviously, I didn't make it, and I knew I was bummed because I think I could have made it even without those big mistakes I made. So that was why I was probably more bummed when people saw my head down. But I was also out of breath. It's why they probably saw my head down. And uh, when I look back, it was like those guys are legit guys, and that made me happy knowing that. Like, I just want to be involved in the race. You know, I don't want to be the guy who's just getting lapped you know i want to be in the heated battles and whether i come out victorious or not like it's it's exciting it's fun it's why we do this is to pass and get past and battle and you know sometimes you win sometimes you lose and i lost that night but uh it was it was fun when i in the moment Fair enough. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I would probably go through those whoops in first gear on my 125. So uh, <laughs> you would have at least gone faster than I would. Yeah, I, I I went faster than I thought I was going. I just I made two mistakes within like 13 feet, and I literally got no drive in them, and I was just like freaking out that you know I was going to get passed, and I should have just took a breather in the whoops and just capitalized on what I could have, and it you know will might have gotten me in the next corner or not, you know. But uh, definitely definitely something to learn off of, and uh, maybe I'll 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 pick it up next weekend in Anaheim too or it'll be a east coast or next year I don't know but we'll it's exciting while I'm here
Fair enough. So let's talk a little bit about uh, Team Tether Racing, the team, uh, who, what, what your dad does to uh, be able to, obviously, uh, like the the name as uh, that's on your back, all, all happens to also be on uh, your front fender. So uh, there's some sort of a connection there. And uh, tell us a little bit about uh, getting those sponsors together and uh, building the team. And I, I have a feeling that uh, as as the years have gone on, of uh, the owning the, like the, the team being around that you've become more involved in, uh, in getting things together and, uh, and making it a really cool package deal, uh, something that you can be really proud of and, uh, helps you uh, get to the races every single weekend. Yeah, it's awesome. My, uh, my dad, he owns a high voltage electrical company, Hampton Tedder electric, which, uh, his dad started and, uh, he, uh, he raced when he was a kid. He raced professional, did a couple of super crosses, a couple outdoors. He earned national number 99 or uh, national number 100 when that was a national number. Now it's not no longer. It's just Hanson's number. But, it really uh, should be a national number so that, uh, so that Hanson could, could, uh, run it though. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. But, uh, so that's how it kind of, he was into it. He got, he got me into it and, uh, he didn't really, I don't think it, I don't think it was so much of a team as more of like just a family thing when he started it. And, uh, as me and my brother miles, you know, got faster, we turned it into, you know, an actual professional team and everyone just kind of looked at it like a, just a family fun thing at first. And then, uh, I think me and miles started doing pretty well and it, it got serious enough to require some legit sponsors. We had definitely had sponsors when we were amateur and just kind of coming up, but uh, I definitely took it more serious when we started making main events. And then I started, you know, getting top tens and stuff like that. So uh, it, uh, it opened some people's eyes. I think that, you know, it's, it's a little bit more serious than just family for sure. And then, uh, you know, he's let me kind of take on some roles. And then uh, we got, you know, Damon Conkright and Steve Lampson's back with us and, they help out tremendously with sponsors and get everything organized where I don't deal with any of like the product stuff like that, but I definitely can, uh, my dad tries to, you know, grow me up by trying to let me deal with emails and calling sponsors here and there and trying to figure stuff out. And, you know, you, you learn from trial and error and being an adult, you know, which is, it's really cool. And I think my dad enjoys, you know, teaching me stuff like that. And then sometimes I get irritated when, uh, you know, obviously, he wants it done a certain way. And then I'm like, well, then just do it if you want it a certain way. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's stuff like that. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's fun. And I think, uh, I think it's, I think we're real close to what, like you would consider a factory team nowadays. And, uh, Jake Weimer, I mean, I haven't seen him complain too much as far as, uh, equipment and, uh, how things are ran. So, uh, I mean, he's always been a factory rider ever since I've known him on Geico Honda. So, uh, he's, I mean, I guess he'd be more to ask of how, how he thinks things are ran over here <laughs> over at Team Setter. Fair enough. Well, uh, funny enough, I'm going to have him on the show tomorrow, so I guess we're going to find out. Yeah, let's, uh, let's get, him, get him talking early, make sure he doesn't think he's on the show, and we'll see what he really feels. Let's there you go. Um, <laughs> Awesome. So, but uh, speaking of Jake, a guy who uh, recently had some of his own uh, injuries to overcome, uh, and uh, you were uh, on the mend a little bit ahead of his uh, healing curve, and uh, he lended a hand as well as he uh, continued to do so uh, after uh, after he was even healed, helping you out at the track, and uh, I'm sure just being in the same uh, like 
same semi as that guy, you get an opportunity to learn from a seasoned veteran who has uh, like raced and trained with some of the greatest guys, guys like uh, Ryan Villopoto. What is it that you kind of learn from him? I kind of see you as like almost like a, like, even though you've had been in professional motocross for six years now, this will be your sixth competitive professional year. Um, for, he's, he, when you see Jake, it, it's almost like a, a, a veteran in a, in a sport, like, a, like, mo, like hockey. And, uh, you're, you're a young up and comer, uh, kind of like seeing how this guy prepares and just, uh, and, and what, what do you pull from him? Uh, it's, it's actually pretty incredible. Um, I mean, I've known Jake, I think I said this in the last time, but I've known Jake for a long time and I, uh, he's helped me out for my first, my first year ever racing supercross before I even turned professional he helped me out and whether he knew it or not he would just say things here and there and you know give me tips and you know i took it to heart back then and stuff like that and i still do today when he tells me when i have a triple and stuff like that and when i should take lines and uh we try to do as many uh you know race simulations and heat races out of the practice track even though he was when he was hurt he would come out when a or actually when I was hurt, I would go up to the supercross tracks and he, I mean, he goes so fast. There's nothing I can really say besides, you know, you know, you're, you're going fast. <laughs> so, uh, stuff like that. But then, uh, when, uh, he was hurt and I was just getting back, he, he would come out to the, you know, the outdoor tracks and just kind of work with my, my technique a little bit. And, uh, I'm a, I guess I'm a big, uh, back brake dragger. And, uh, so he definitely tried to windle me off that for a little bit. And, uh, just uh being being a little bit more patient in my turns i think i i think i think guys are a little bit better than they really are and uh, i think that's a little bit of lack of confidence of you know making a big deal out of uh guys like will Hahn and brock tickle of more of their names of past champions than as human beings that you know they make mistakes too if you know can't get too balled up just on a factory look and uh, i think jake's you know helping me see that and uh it's cool to see you know he and I, I can see it at the practice tracks, whether anyone else can see it on our team, but I can watch him. And I, I tell guys, tell my team, my mechanic, you know, Damon and uh, Steve Lampson, I'll say like Jake can literally ride and land in the exact same spot every single time when he jumps a triple or jumps a rhythm, he can land on that edge every single time. And I think I'm still, I don't know if that's just lack of years racing or just lack of noticing that being, you know, really riding the fast line all the time and at the race, bringing that to the races. Cause I'll, I finally noticed that at San Diego is like, I was jumping in uh press, I was jumping on the left side of the triple landing on the left, like I would at a practice track. And then at the race and practice, I was like, you know, I was in the middle and it just, you end up kind of forgetting and getting shooken up by so many different ruts, so many different lines and just everything gets changed. And then, stuff like uh stuff that was fast in practice uh gets changed during the race uh at anaheim everyone's fixated fixated on this triple 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 double into the turn and then it uh come main event time or even heat race time no one even did it it was uh you know it was just for it was just for time qualifying and stuff like that you know talking to jake in between races and him getting me amped and pumped up and being like don't worry about doing this line it's not going to be that fast later on so just the knowledge he has of being able to pick stuff and then putting my mind at ease to not worry about other things throughout the day is nice 
Hundred percent. It's a, a, a guy that you can learn a lot off of, and uh, a guy who um, seems pretty quiet, pretty uh, re- reserved. But I think if you get to know Jake, he's uh, he's got a dry sense of humor, and he likes to uh, uh, yuck it up pretty pretty well. Uh, I don't I don't think you could um, have I don't think he could have been a, a training partner of Ryan Villapoto for very long without uh, having a, a, a lighter side as well. Oh, definitely. Jake definitely knows how to you know joke around at the practice track i think he holds back it you know in front of other people just whether you know he doesn't want to say the wrong thing or insult mm-hmm. someone or people get the wrong idea of like whether he you know thinks something else is funny or like being serious or stuff like that but he uh in our within our you know the people he trusts to joke around with and stuff like that he definitely knows how to you know blast some stuff off for sure we always playing jokes off at the rate at the practice track trying to trick each other and stuff like that so it's it's always a good time at our under our tent for sure right on so uh, other than jake who is someone that uh, you like to spin laps with or play a little bit of cat and mouse with uh preparing for the season and uh and where do you go to do a lot of your training at is do you hit up the milestone are you are you welcome on the kawasaki track what's the story there uh well uh we have we end up doing our own track at lapaglia's uh Michael Opagli used to race back in the day and they still have a super yeah. there. So, uh, they, we rent that place out for the years for me and Jake. And, uh, I, uh, luckily like Jake, I obviously before Jake, I would have other riders come out to ride with me, but I have you know, Jake to ride with. So I, I don't invite a crazy amount of people cause we end up having to maintain the whole track. And, you know, we tried to get other people to go in on the track with us to split the cost. And it also helps having other guys out there. But all, uh, you know, we still have Milestone. The Kawasaki, they have two test tracks. They have the factory one for uh, just Will and uh, Eli. And then they have a second one that uh, the pro circuit team's allowed out at, uh, we're allowed out at, and uh, I think the arena cross guys are even allowed out there too. Um, and then we still do the, uh, you know, Star West, Paul, uh, Elson, or Milestone thing. And then, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty good friends with uh, pretty much everyone. I don't really have a a bad side to anyone. I think Cooper Webb came out to our track this year. Blake Baggett came out. Christian Craig was out the other day. And, uh, it's, I, I'm, I mean, I'm pretty much friends with almost everyone on the circuit. So anyone who come, pretty much comes up and asks me if they want to come ride, I pretty much end up, you know, letting them come out, whether it's uh, earlier or later. Right on, man. Well, uh, um, as far as, um, turning in laps and practicing it seems like it's really paid off and uh, one of the things that i've been suggesting to a lot of these guys that are racing the east coast class is it, it on the west on the 250 if they can afford it if they can make it happen i think that riding a 450 or even riding a 250 in the 450 class uh is it would be a huge advantage for someone just getting in that that uh, supercross m- mode they've got gate drops they've got that intensity and they just sort of roll with the series they switch classes over to the east coast uh pull out the 250f and uh and throw that little thing around yeah uh that's what we're kind of we're hoping here i uh i kind of did that when i rode for like a month on a 450 and did the monster cup i went to the 250 and it took me like two or three days but then i was kind of tossing her around on the supercross track and then i went to a 450 and ended up you know actually going faster on that because the 250 you have to carry more speed so i ended up carrying more speed on my 450 with power which was good so hopefully i'll drop back down and uh, start throwing that thing back around and uh i think that was the biggest thing for me is i wanted to get even if i don't make the main event i get you know three practices and i get to learn 
pick up a track quick and figure it out. And then, uh, you know, I get three great drops in intensity. So if I can get more LC like races, like I had in the LCQ at San Diego, that's just, it's, you know, practice you can't get at the practice track. And, uh, I'm, I'm excited for it. And, you know, I'm excited to race the 450 and, uh, hopefully the East coast goes great. Sure, sure, man. And you're, you're going to end up uh, meeting up with some uh, some some familiar faces over there on the East Coast. Uh, I know you're good friends with uh, Tyler Bowers and uh, um, that uh, that Adam Cincerello kid. He'll probably be over there as well. Yeah, I, uh, I, I ended up, you know, being really good friends with Bowers. I don't know if it's because we're tall, have the same sense of humor or what, whatever it is, but we weren't. Yeah, you know, like blonde always, girls. Yeah, yeah, tall blonde girls. Uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, we've always just been like friendly to each other, but it wasn't until he, I think, started just riding more at the Kawasaki track, and then we ended up hanging out more there. And then uh, we just became good friends over the last probably two, three years. And then uh, Adam seems real. I don't know like a whole lot. I don't know him super well. I knew him when I was more of a kid in the amateur days. We'd always be parked next to each other, and he was, I don't know, four or five years younger than me, but we'd always hang out. And uh, he's, a, yeah. he's a pretty good kid, so. Those guys are fast, so I don't, I'm not expecting to uh, to wax them by any means. But hopefully, I can uh, hopefully I can race and ride with them a little bit on the East Coast, and uh, hopefully we'll do some exciting battling. Sure. And uh, before I let you go, I wanted to talk about a couple of uh, your newer sponsors for 2016, which includes the Fly 360 camera. And uh, you'd be a guy who uh, is kind of exclusive to that. Um, not too many guys have had the uh, the pleasure of, of using the camera and uh, and seeing the, the what it, the type of angles that they can uh, get. Um, tell us a little bit about that camera because, uh, especially up here in Canada, we haven't seen it yet. So, uh, what's your review and uh, um, what's your affiliation with those guys? Uh, well, my affiliation is uh, my trainer Ty Katie. He uh, he ended up used to train me and Martin Davalos, and uh, he ended up uh, got another guy he used to train uh, Peter Adderton. He uh, he actually owns 360 Fly, and uh, mm-hmm. we always end up going mountain bike riding with them over in Laguna. And uh, which Pete's an uh, a damn animal on a bicycle. I think he logged uh, a million feet climbed in 2015 or something like that. A million feet or a million miles. I wasn't sure. Wow. But it's absolutely ridiculous. And I I go with him, and he does it for fun. So he's a he's a complete nut. And uh, (laughs) and uh, us uh, other nuts like myself, uh, we think it's awesome. So. uh, that's how I know those guys. Uh, the camera is absolutely insane. Like, uh, when, when people, I don't know if people really know what it can really do yet, but like my favorite feature with like, I thought was the greatest thing ever is basically if you set this thing on my helmet in the LCQ or any race, if you just set it sitting on my helmet, shooting up at the sky and you put on these goggles and you put the, like your, it's like your phone or whatever the goggles is. And you can pretty much stand in, one spot and turn your head left and right and you can look to the left to the right and behind and in front of me so basically you could have watched brock tickle you know behind me come up next to me and sizing you up and so yeah sizing me up or whatever make the pass (laughs) you know love tap here there we both whipped it over the finish line you could have watched any different angle all at the same time and i think that's what people don't really realize yet of what it can do and uh, i think it's I think it's going to change. Uh, it's going to change the whole, uh, you know, action camera for sure. 
No doubt, man. Uh, awesome. So, uh, last thing before I let you go, I got to ask uh, if you're at all uh, excited or disappointed to see that uh, your beloved Chargers uh, may be uh, changing locations. Uh, I'm not a, I mean, people might, you know, throw rocks at me or whatever. I've never actually uh, seen a full football game in my life. <laughs> I ended up uh, getting tickets to a Chargers game from uh, my dad's lawyer, and I ended up missing the first, you know, eight minutes of the game so i've still yet to see a full football game so maybe if they move closer they're supposed to move to carson or la or somewhere that's even closer to me so maybe i'll get to watch a full game there but i think <laughs> i think people might be upset but i think uh i usually watch like the last 10 minutes of the super bowl that's about it <laughs> no kidding well uh, that's coming I've up in a couple more, of weeks here yeah i've seen more hockey than football which is sad uh, for more down here, not you guys. You guys are probably up in Canada be more excited about that for sure. Oh, for sure. If, if I had two uh, two hockey teams in in, uh, in my backyard, I, I'd have season tickets to both. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, uh, the local hockey tickets go for about $200 a seat. So uh, it's uh, a little bit out of uh, this podcaster's price range. <laughs> right on. Fair enough, man. Well, always a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, if you if you have an, I'll give you an opportunity right now to throw down those sponsors for us. Let us know uh, who's helping you get to the races and uh, and how they're helping you out. And uh, um, love to have you on on the show again, man. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'd like to thank Monster Energy, Kawasaki, Team Tedder, um, Malcolm Smith, Lucas Oil. Virus, Action Sports, Performance Wear, Decal Works does my graphics, Hampton Tether Electric, obviously, my dad's uh, company does probably the biggest uh, contribution of the team, AP Designs does my helmets, Liat Brace, DT1 Air Filters, Thor, my gear, Parts Unlimited, VP Race Fuels, Renthal Handlebars, Pro Circuit does my suspension, motor, exhaust, uh, in-house racing, RKXL, Scott Goggles, OGO Gear Bags, uh, Dunlop, my tires, Arc Levers, Henson Racing, my clutches, SDG Seats, Comedic yes. <laughs> Gaskets, Psychers, my plastics, Galfer, and then uh, does my brakes, uh, brake discs, those things are insane, and then MotorPartsTrader.com. So uh, that's about it. Well, as well as the butt snorkeler. <laughs> oh yeah the butt snorkeler yeah actually i don't know who owns that i just uh uh i thought dave castillo owns it but i i found out he's just good friends with the guy who owns it so uh yeah that guy and then uh, uh you know obviously my family uh my girlfriend uh steve lampson my mechanic damon amos he's jake's mechanic but i think he does uh, a lot more than anyone probably knows he helps out damon tremendously uh, Ty Katie, my trainer, uh, Steve Navarro, my chiropractor, always in my corner. Uh, and uh, anyone else I forgot. Thank you. There you go. Well, uh, that, that's quite an impressive list. Seems like, uh, you've got everything head to toe, man. Yeah. I, that, I mean, like I said, we're damn near a factory team over here and, uh, we enjoy it for sure. We're, uh, we're a racing family. We're here to succeed, I guess, in whatever we do. Solid. Well, uh, all I got to say is I really appreciate you giving me some time, and I hope that uh, uh, as long as I let you ride my 125, that you'll let me uh, come and ride uh, at uh, your Supercross track sometime. Most definitely, dude. I will go uh, 
we'll go shred the 125 on the beach until we get arrested. I'm down for that. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> well, uh, don't hang up just yet, but for podcast sake, we'll end it right there. All right, sweet. Thank you for listening to the Big MX Podcast, brought to you by X-Brand Goggles. Be sure to check out our archive for episodes you may have missed. Check out our website at BigMXRadio.com for more content.